0: Uh, If you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. And so we have not uh, looked in the book of Daniel for quite some time. And so if you're curious as to where it is, it's a little harder to find than uh, most other books. And so go to your table of contents. It's a great place to turn. You can look up Daniel, but you can go to the middle of your Bible, hang a little bit of a right, and eventually you're going to run into Daniel. But we're going to look in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8, in just a few moments. Uh, you know we often talk about men and women and how men and women are very different and I we obviously already know that men and women are different but uh, but there are some some interesting things that you find out about this one of the things I think is really interesting is that they they came up with a list about that like the top 10 desires of men and the top 10 desires of women and then they compared the two lists and the two lists were the exact opposite of each other now, I have no idea why in the world God made us that way. Just so bizarre. But uh, men and women are very different from one another. And yet, while we're different, there actually is some common ground between us. Right? I mean, we're human. Uh, that's one thing. We breathe. But there's actually some more things. Uh, one thing I really believe that we see uh, uh, some similarities in is men and women both admire and they respect when there are people who stand up for what they believe in. Uh, For people who are a people of conviction, who are not a people that are going to be swayed by by the things of this world, but they are willing to stand up for what they believe in. Now, for guys, I think this is evident in the kinds of movies that we watch. I mean, guys, we typically like movies where there is a, a person or a group of men who will stand firm. You know, who are courageous. You know, we like movies like, you know, True Grit. Uh, Braveheart. Y'all seen Braveheart? Got to be like the only movie in my life that I've almost cried in. Other than Dumb and Dumber. So, you know, that, that movie, uh, you know, and then women tend to like movies. Maybe not those kind, but they like movies where there's the, you know, like the knight in shining armor who comes along and he rescues the lady. And so we like things where... There are heroes where there are people who are courageous, and you know. So there are some good movies out there. So every once in a while, Hollywood does some good things. But what I'd like to see is stories like this move from you know the big screen to actually moving into our own lives. To where instead of it, we have to see a movie to see this kind of stuff happen. To where we are actually the ones who are living these kinds of lives, who are living courageous lives. Now, there is no doubt we are in need of courage today. Uh, Christians, those of you who are followers of Jesus, man, we, it, is, it is time for us to be a people who will live in this world fearlessly. And who will be willing to live in this world fearlessly, even in the midst of a culture that is becoming more and more ungodly. And I, and I say that, and I know that, you know, you, you come to church and you expect to hear that from the preacher, oh, the world's so ungodly. You guys, I mean, it really is. I mean, the, the world is just a very different place. And the things that we at, at once held on to as being valuable for all of society, we just sort of, we've drifted away from that. I mean, the things, our, our basic values and the basic biblical values that we have, did you know that some of that stuff that we believe in is moving now, we'd say that many people would say, it is now outside of mainstream. Which is really strange. I mean, some of the things are like, you know, the, the sanctity of life. Uh, that marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, there's just so many so many things that have began slowly to, to begin to slide away from what we thought were just the norms. And so as our culture turns more and more and drifts more and more away from a biblical faith, what's needed? I'll tell you what's needed. It's people who are followers of God who are willing to fearlessly live for God in the midst of a godless culture. Now, I'm not saying be a jerk. I'm not saying, you know, look at me, I'm better than y'all. I'm just saying, live in a way where you take God's word and say, I am going to stand on what God's word has to say. Now the question is, how do we do that? And what we're going to do today is we're going to look in the book of Daniel, and we're going to see four guys that are mentioned in the book of Daniel that are just really four cool guys. Now, who are these guys? Well, we're going to talk about them in just a minute, but we're going to see through their life that they were able to stand fearlessly in the midst of a culture that was very different than what they believed in, than their own. And so in Daniel 1, verse number 8, we're going to discover who these men were. Now, if you happen to have a Bible with maps... In it, I just think this is always interesting. Um, I, I do. So I, and They're in color. So if you're looking, you will know, be wish there were more pictures in the Bible, there are actually some. And so you can go to the back of your Bible if you have a, uh, like a concordance or maps. And there's something that, that's interesting to note about Israel. And this kind of helps set the context of what we're going to be looking at today. Israel is actually, it's, it's a land bridge between two different major parts of the world. Um, here, let, here's Israel. I'll give you a hand map. Okay, here's Israel, and here's Africa, and then Europe is above Israel. And so Israel is the connector. This is why it's so important today. It is a connector between Africa and Europe. And so in ancient days, whoever controlled this land bridge really controlled the ancient world. And in our text today, the country that controlled Israel was Babylon. Y'all heard of Babylon? Uh, Babylon was the one that controlled it. What they did is they came into Israel, they destroyed the temple under a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. am sure you've heard of him. Nebuchadnezzar came in, destroys the temple, takes a bunch of captives out of Israel, and takes them back to Babylon. And he takes the best and the brightest out of Israel because he wants them to serve him. And, and four of the guys that he took are the guys we're going to be talking about today. Four guys who moved from a a culture that honored God into a godless culture, which Babylon was. Now, who were the four men? The first one was a guy named Daniel. Uh, Daniel, you might be familiar with uh, Daniel of the Lion's Den fame. Y'all know Daniel, destroyed the Lion's Den? Okay, this is the guy. The other three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, And what are they known for? Fiery furnace, that's right. Okay, so these are the four guys that we're going to be looking at today in our text. And these men were able to approach their world and live fearlessly in the midst of a godless culture. And it took some guts for them to do this. Because when they did this, they weren't like world leaders. You know what they were? They were slaves. They were in captivity, and yet they said, you know what? doesn't matter what's going on around us. We're going to live for God. Now, how were they able to do this? Well, here's what I want us to see. These men, and this applies to us as well, they were able to remain fearless in a godless culture because they made a decision that they were going to stand firm in their faith, regardless of what was happening. So we're going to stand firm in our faith. Now I'm going to read to you verses um, 8 through 10. And it says, and I'll explain some of this later, but it says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food, Or with the wine he drank. And so he asked permission from the chief official not to defile himself. And God had granted Daniel favor and compassion from the chief official. Yet he said to Daniel, my lord the king assigned your food and drink. And I'm afraid of what will happen if he saw your faces looking thinner than those of the other young men your age. You would endanger my life with the king. Okay, now you can read more about this. If you go to the verses beforehand, you can kind of get more of the context here. Just for time, I kind of shortened it up. But the Hebrew exiles found themselves immersed in a culture that was godless. It was different than where they had come from. And so as they came out of captivity, or came came out of freedom into captivity, everything changed for them. And the men that we're going to focus on, they were captives. And I told you before, it was Daniel and his three buddies. Now I just want to share with you uh, what their names mean, and, and hopefully this will make sense to you a little bit later. Uh, Daniel, of course, they were, they were Jewish people, and the name Daniel means, "God is my judge." The other three guys, first of all, the guy's name was Hananiah. His name means the grace of the Lord. Mishael means "He that is the strong God." Azariah means "The Lord is my help." So that was their names when they came into Babylon. They come into Babylon. The Babylonian leader said, we're going to change your names. You know, we're going to, it's like we're going to Americanize your names. We're going to Babylonize your names. And so Daniel's name went from Daniel to Belteshazzar, which is not good. It's harder to spell. Uh, But anyway, that means keeper of the hidden treasures of Baal. Okay, his first name honored God. This name is, this is a different name. It is is their God's name. Uh, There's Shadrach, which means the inspiration of the sun. There's Meshach. Which means the goddess Shack. Uh, there's Abednego, which means the servant of the shining fire. And I say, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? And this is what's interesting. What they were doing is that they didn't try, the Babylonians didn't try to ram their culture down their throat. They said, you know, y'all are moving here, you're new here, we want to give you names that everybody's going to understand. And so what they th- were doing is they were being very clever. They were just slowly trying to move them out of their culture, out of a, a belief system where they had an honor and respect for the one true God, and they began to give them names that gave honor to their God. And so just slowly over time what they were trying to do is they were slowly trying to move them out of, out of their belief system into a new one. And I thought, man, that's really clever. And, you know, that's, that's what our world does with us today. You know, our our world very slowly has has moved us from being a people of faith to, to where we now identify more and more with the world. As a matter of fact, George Barna did a poll a number of years ago, and he said those people who claim to be followers of Jesus, he said when you look at their lives, not what they say, but how they live, he said their lives are not any different than the people who do not claim to be followers of Jesus. We have moved from a biblical faith to a faith of convenience. How has this happened? Just very slowly over time, our culture's changed us because we've not been willing to stand up fearlessly for the things of God. I read an article in a Texas business journal. And I just thought it was interesting because this is, I mean, it's not a Christian magazine, but here's what it said. It says, what's going on in North America? We have no built-in beliefs. We have no ethical boundaries Cheat on your taxes, just don't get caught. Cheat on your wife, just don't get AIDS. Our high-tech society has given us everything, everything but a conscience and an integrity that is a mangled casualty of our times. Now, now we seem to be a people, and I'm, I'm not talking to you specifically, but just others, but we seem to be a people who like, you know, like a surface faith. You know, I am a sur- you know on the surface, I am a follower of Jesus, but when you scratch just beneath the surface, man, way too many of us live just like everybody else. And then I look at Daniel, and I look at his friends. I mean, they're slaves, and they said, "We will not be changed. You can change our names, but we are going to live for God." Now, in verse number eight, it says that the king Nebuchadnezzar he wanted the captives to have the best food that was around. Okay, we all like to eat, right? And so I'm thinking, this is pretty tempting. This sounds good to me. I mean, we're going to you know, get steaks, good meals. It's, I mean, y'all, it's 11.30. I know y'all are ready for breakfast. We're moving to lunchtime right now. And so, you know, it sounds really good. But here's the problem. The food that was being offered to these men was not, uh, it, it, it was not kosher. You know, years ago, God had told the people, he said, I want you to be separate from the rest of the world, even in what you eat so they come here, they come into their captives, king offers some food, and Daniel looks at it and says, we can't take that. You know, it's not, it's not food that honors God. God told us to be different. Now, do you think that would have been an easy one to kind of look over and say, it's really not that big of a deal, I mean, it's, just a bunch, it's just some food. But Daniel knew that, hey, if I begin to slide in this area, it just opens up a whole can of worms. And a snowball can get formed to where it starts rolling down the hill. And I give up this area in my life. And I just follow along with the world. And then before long, what I notice is I'm just going along with the world in everything. So Daniel said, I have determined that I will not take the king's food. That word determined, it means I will stand firm. He said, I'm going to stand on the things of God. I'm going to stand on God's word and trust him and be obedient to him. Because the ways of this world are not the best. Temporary. Isaiah 48 is one of my favorite verses. It says, The the grass withers and the flowers fade. That's the things of this world. But the word of our God stands forever. This is Daniel. The things of this world are temporary. And I will fearlessly stand with God because I understand that it is it is a God of permanence. Uh, Moses understood this in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says, by faith Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since his attention was on the reward. Now guys, I'm going to be honest with you, it, this is not the easy path to follow. If you're going to stand with God, there's easier things to do. I mean, if you're a captive, the last thing you want to do is rock the boat, right? I mean, you want to get, everybody's probably looking at Daniel and his friends going, just to eat the food and shut up. I mean, if you don't eat it, then you're going to get us all in trouble. But these guys said, our, our allegiance isn't to a man. It's not to a country. Our allegiance is to God. And we're, we're going to stand fearlessly with him. We're going to be obedient to him. Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, He who loves me obeys my commandments. Why does God demand obedience from us? Is it to torture us? You know, does God demand obedience from us because he's got an ego problem? No, it's, it's because when we're obedient to him, God, God is able. He said, like, I, I see better than you do. I, I know what this life holds, and I know the path I want you to take, so follow me, be obedient to me, and you'll get where you need to go. Uh, Ann Graham-Lotz is the daughter of Billy Graham. And she said that every year her husband went to the University of North Carolina, so every year they go to a bunch of North Carolina football games, which has got to be horrible. Uh, but anyway, they go to the University of North Carolina football games, and she said, We'll get out of the car. There's like thousands of people milling around, going to the stadium. She said, You know, I, I get out of the car, and I really don't know where to go. And she said, Because there's so many people walking around. And she said, So what I do is I just grab my husband's hand and hang on to him, and we always end up at the stadium. And she said, Now, the reason why, she said, he's six foot seven. So he's able to see over everybody else. He said, so you don't get lost in the crowd when you're hanging on to him. Now, I thought about that. I thought, man, there, that is, there is a spiritual lesson in that story. You know, in, in life, there's a, lot, there's a lot of things milling around, a lot of stuff going on. And you know what the best thing you can do if you want to get where you need to go? Is grab onto the hands of God. And so I'm going to trust you. Now, where we get in trouble is whenever we see what God where God's going to go, I don't really want to go there. We let go of his hand and we end up getting lost in the crowd. And we don't arrive where we need to arrive. And so I look at these men today and I see they were able, they were able to be fearless in a godless culture because they made a decision, they're going to stand firm in their faith. But here's the second thing I want you to see. They were able to stand firm or to to live fearlessly in a godless culture because they made a decision that they're going to trust God's leadership. They're going to trust his leadership. Now I'm going to read to you verses 11 through 16. It's kind of long, but hang in there with me. It says, Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food, and deal with your servants based on what you see. And he agreed with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, how'd they look? They looked they look better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were, they were to drink and gave them vegetables. All right, you know, this is a strange little side note here. So what's going on here? All right, here, one thing. I am always amazed at how, uh, how tempting sin is. You know? You, know, and I, I'm a, you know? Y'all, I'm a preacher. And I, of all people, should know that you should just stay away from sin. I mean, I know that. I just don't always do it. And, and I'm, you know, there's some stuff that I look at and, you know, I look at so, many of the, so much of the things of the world and I think, man, if I did that, that'd be kind of fun. I mean, I'm just, I'm tempted like everybody else is. And then I look at these four guys, I admire them even more. I mean, here are these four guys. They, they, they get brought into a brand new land and they're captives, and yet they're captives and the king begins to pamper them. It's kind of weird. He gives them the best food to eat. The best drinks that there are. I mean, this is not McDonald's treatment. I mean, this is Ruth's Chris. I mean, they've traveled, and the the king's like, I'm going to give you the best there is. And I'm thinking, man, that sounds really good to me. It's a mouth-watering deal. And yet Daniel and his friends said, no thanks. Just give us vegetables and water. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with these guys? What's wrong? that They said, we're going to be obedient to God. What they were being offered would not honor God. Now, it's not just a nice little story where, like, oh, in that neat, they're hanging onto the roots. Y'all, It's a bigger deal than this. You see, for them to, to reject the king, they're rejecting the king. The king gives them the best because he wants them to do the best. Now, if they reject the king and they don't do well, the, the king could say, listen, I'm investing in you guys. You're not going to take it. Fine, off with their heads. It's not like it was any skin off of his back. And that the guys that are with Daniel and his friends are like, hey, listen, you're putting our necks on the line as well. Now, here's the deal. If we're going to impact culture like these men ultimately did, we have to be willing to believe God. To believe that what God says is true. Now, these are, this book's a nice, this is a nice book. You know, there's some really cool stories in here. I don't know if y'all watched the Bible last Sunday. Y'all need to watch it. It's really good. It's a neat stories. Let me tell you something. If all it is to you is stories, you don't see anything happen. But if you begin to live what this book says, believe me, something happens. There is power in who our God is. Now, if we just simply claim the stories, but we're not willing to be obedient to the leadership of God, your faith will not pack any punch whatsoever. It's not going to make a difference. Why? you're not doing anything with it. Let me try to give you an example, and I've I've used this before. But you know, every year we have New Year's resolutions, and two of the most new, two of the most popular New Year's resolutions are what? Going to eat different, and we go to the YMCA. That's right. You know, those are the uh, or Anytime Fitness, and so those are the, those are the uh, two, two of the big ones. Now, why do we make why do we make those uh, resolutions? Because we know this. We know if we eat better and we exercise. It really is good for us, right? Would we all agree with that? I mean, it's not like you know, if I eat right, I might I might get fat. You know, I mean that does, it doesn't happen. You eat right and you exercise; it works. Now, what's the problem? Well, we make we make these resolutions, but we don't do them. And so, if we don't do them, what kind of results are we going to see? The big zero. I mean, if if we we can make a promise, but we don't follow through on it, then your life's not going to be effective or or affected. And I think that's what's so neat about our text. I see Daniel, he said, hey, we're going to be obedient to God. Now, how's that going to work out? He told the chief official, he said, we're going to eat just regular food, you know, vegetables and water. He said, look at us after 10 days. Let's see how it looks. They looked at him him after 10 days. How'd they look? They looked better than everybody else. You know what's neat about that? Is that whenever you are obedient to the leadership of God, God makes himself evident to everybody else. When you follow God, God works in you so that people can see God in you. These men were able to stand fearlessly in the midst of a godless culture because they knew that obedience to God makes a difference. God reveals himself. They were able to be fearless in a godless culture because they made a decision to be firm in the faith. Secondly, they made a decision to trust God's leadership. It's the last thing I want you to see, and we'll be finished. They were able to be fearless in a godless culture because they knew God will honor their obedience. If you're going to be obedient to God, God will honor your obedience. Uh, Verse number 17 said, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom, Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of, the, end of the time that the king had, had said to present them, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And says, the king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to serve in the king's court, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better. Then all the diviner priests and mediums in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Okay, God honors obedience. Always has, always will. Whenever the Hebrew people were called to leave the land of Egypt, when Moses came in, he was obedient, they got out. God said, I prepared a place for you as you leave. He gave them the Ten Commandments. So this is going to be a guide for you on how to live. And then... Is it important to be obedient to the leadership of God? Listen to what Moses said. Moses said, if if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all the commands I'm giving you today, the Lord will put you far above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come and overtake you because why? Why? Yeah. Because you obey the Lord. You'll see God move in your life. You see God move at Village Church in this community. Let me share with you how it happens. You and I are to obey the Lord. It's not real hard. You know, more than anything, God is looking for you to be obedient to His leadership. And yet, way too many of us are interested in putting on, you know, the dressings of religion and then living like everybody else. Guys, there is not any power in that. There's not any power. There's not life change that occurs through that. Daniel and his friends were obedient to the commands of God. They didn't eat the food. They honored God with their living. and God blessed them. Yeah, you know God blessed them? He made them wise. What, what I, I think one thing that's really neat here is it says that Dan, he gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams and visions. And you read through the book of Daniel, you'll see that. Now, this is what's interesting about this is Babylon prided themselves in being really smart people. They had the wise men. You know, they, they, had the, they, were, they had the greatest astronomers of this time. They lived in Babylon. And then here comes some slave, and he's smarter than they are. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar, when he stood before Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar said, these guys are, he literally, he literally said this, these guys are 10 times better than any of the guys that we've got. Now what's the lesson we can learn from this? It's not that we're going to become you know, mediums. And that we're going to be able to interpret dreams. It's not what it's talking about. The lesson that we can learn from this is that when we are obedient to God, God gives evidence of his power working in your life. And he gives, he allows your life to be a testimony that he is the one true God. When we live for Jesus, Jesus makes himself known. Now folks, listen to this. We have not been called to be a part of culture. Village Church has not been called to be a part of culture. Christians All of us, I don't care where you go to church, we are not called to be a part of culture. We are called to lead it. How do we lead culture? In obedience to Jesus. And as we are obedient to Jesus, God will make himself known. He'll make himself known to the world. Now, our nation has led, we we lead culture today. The United States leads culture uh, we lead culture in technology, we lead culture in military, we lead culture in, some, you know, in entertainment, which <laughs> that's not always great. But there's a lot of different ways that we lead culture. But there's one gaping hole where we're not leading culture, and that is an allegiance to the God of Scriptures. How do we turn that around? We're not going to turn it around by politics. Y'all, I'm a political junkie, just like many of you are. I don't care what party you support... I mean, and deep down, I do. But let me tell you something, it doesn't matter what party you support. Because God, God's not going to look and say, man, because he's a Republican, I'm going to move. Or because he's a Democrat, I'm, going to, I'm really going to bless. Now, the way culture's changed is we are obedient to Jesus Christ, and we follow him. It's not by us holding up and hiding out in the church, trying to hide from the rest of the world. It begins with us getting out in the world and living for Jesus It takes courage to do that. And the men in our text, they had courage. They fearlessly faced an ungodly culture. And they did it by being firm in the faith, by trusting God's leadership, and by knowing that God honors obedience. Let me tell you something. We honor God. God's going to reveal himself. You You think our town, think our nation needs to see God? Man, I guarantee you they do. But it's up to us. It's up to us to be obedient to God. And as we do that, God reveals himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful. Lord, I am grateful for these four men. And, you know, I, I love the, their story. This is just Daniel chapter 1. And what's really neat is to, to go on and for us to, to read um, through the book of Daniel and, and see how Daniel, even though he was facing the lion's den, said, I'm going to be obedient, Lord, even if it means my life. And you did a miracle. I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're called to bow down before the idol, to worship Nebuchadnezzar. They said, we're not going to do it. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw in the fiery furnace. And they said, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we're going to be obedient to him. God, as they did that, you revealed yourself. Lord, I pray that we will be a people, that will be a church that is loving and is kind, but also a church that has a backbone of iron. Because we're going to be obedient to you because we don't care what culture says. We care what you say, and we're going to honor you. Lord, may you bless this time, this time of singing, time of giving. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.